an honor to share this morning with you. And uh, just uh, uh, thanks again for your support, your prayers, and love in our ministry. And I have prepared a few slides of just an update of how the Lord has been leading us, even during this time of pandemic. And um, let's see if, if the first few slides can be brought up. So we, because of COVID back in March, we had to shut down our ESL classes. We were meeting at the church. But it gave us the opportunity then to actually visit areas where our ESL families are living, prepared grocery bags, about 70 of them, and gave them out. And my wife, you know, she's not wearing the mask. It's not that she's not considerate, but she loves the people and wanted to hug them and pray for them in person. And that transitioned into these ESL classes meeting in homes. And so one of our ESL family students uh, from Peruvia, from Peru, a Peruvian woman, she opened up her home and we were able to invite Hispanic, Latino women, as well as Muslim women to come and, um, and learn English and pray. And the woman that you see sitting on the right, uh, dear sister Shirley, she's African-American staff with Crescent Project. drove up two hours from Richmond just to join one of our sessions. She wanted to pray for the students. So at the end of this session, she prayed for each one of them by name. And tears were coming down, both her and the students. And the next slide is Faith also had opportunity to teach ES citizenship classes in the backyard of one of our students. And then the Lord opened up opportunities to meet with Afghan Muslim families. Again, some of our students during COVID season, you know, we trust them that they're okay and they trust us that we don't have symptoms, have meals. Uh, next slide. And we even read the Dari Bible because now they feel even more disconnected from the community and God's opening doors. And next slide is another Uh, Afghan family uh, that the woman, the wife, and the kids come to our ESL program. Now they invited us to their home to have meals with them. And afterwards, uh, next slide, one of the deacons here, our uh, dear brother Pat, he, um, he's helping Suraya find job through the county uh, public school system. And we're meeting at Panera Bread where there's no COVID. That's why we're not wearing masks. But, you know, for him, it was a, an opportunity to reconnect with his, one of his students. The next slide. And then in October of last year, just the Lord dropped us a, a big surprise. Some of our, we have about 35 pine trees that were dying. And so the local power company decided we're going to cut them all down. It took about three, four days. And having served in Central Asia... My wife and I, we learned over there that when work crews come to your home, you have to feed them. And so as long as there's meat in the meal, they work extra hard. If there's no meat, they say things like, oh, we're, we're tired. You know, we can't work hard. So we made sure we had meat every day. And so if you see the crew, there are eight of them, only five on this picture. They're not wearing masks. You know, they are... comfortable working with each other. They trust each other. They trust us. And so the, on the first day, my wife made Korean chicken, two big pots and some rice. They loved it. And, you know, they have one hour lunch break. Usually they don't eat lunch. They just rest. 
but we invited them to our picnic table. And while they're eating, I'm sharing my testimony, a lot of our testimonies from the mission field. And at the end of the third day, we were able to give out Bibles to each one of them. No one is going to church. Some of them grew up going to church. And we had two Hispanic brothers as well, and they got a copy of the Spanish Bible. And as they were leaving, you know, we encouraged them. I encouraged them, please go visit the nearest church. Get to know this God. And one of them said to us, we have never been treated like this. No one ever fed us three meals like you have. Thank you so much. And you may be asking us, why are you doing this? This is COVID. Aren't you afraid that either you will catch COVID or what if they catch COVID through you? Isn't that not being considerate? And for us, you know, our mentality and our mindset, and that's what I want to get into this morning, is we have eternity with Jesus already. We know who he is. And I know coronavirus is contagious. And some people are infected with it, and they're suffering and even passing away. But everyone in this world is infected with sin. That's a deadly virus that no one can escape And eventually, we all physically die because of that sin. But there are people like our ESL students who have no idea that they're suffering and dying with sin, and they need a Savior. And so that's, you know, our approach was they're worth the risk. Even if Faith and I catch COVID, if that handful of tree cutters come to faith in Jesus, It's worth the risk. And I believe that's God's heart for us, for the church, for the people living outside the the church, that they would have that opportunity. So this morning, as we look into um, Isaiah chapter 6, the title is, In the Year of the Coronavirus. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I I forgot about this. Another blessing was, because of the pandemic, I had extra time to finish my book. So fear not, living a life of no regrets. It's on Amazon.com. You can order a copy right there. Uh, Next slide. So in the year of the coronavirus, I believe that the Lord is wanting us to reconnect with him because it has extended for longer than we thought. And it may go on even after vaccines coming out. There may be new strains, or there may be other pandemics that come up. And what is the Lord wanting to learn during this time? So we're going to go into the life and calling of Isaiah. But prior to that, in 2 Chronicles 26, 15, I want to describe a set of background, um, uh, sketch a background about this king that Isaiah mentions, King Uzziah. In 2 Chronicles 26, it says, In Jerusalem, this king made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls, you know, just like Lord of the Rings. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. So this king, Uzziah, reigned 50 years from 783 to 742, The first 40 years, amazing victories. He trusted in God. He feared God. God helped him. There was victory in every place. 
And so the people of kingdom of Judah, that was, he was the king over that land, they, I'm sure, they adored him. They were willing to do anything for him. They saw God's hand upon him. And in a way, they were hoping that he would restore the golden ears of the people of Israel that Solomon had brought, David and Solomon. And as he was growing powerful, he became proud. And he did the unthinkable. He, he committed a sin against God. He decided he would not only be king, but he wanted to be a priest. So he went into the temple into the Jerusalem temple to burn incense and God punishes him and he comes down with leprosy and then for the last 10 years of his life he lives in isolation in quarantine and then he dies and it's the in, the, in the year that he dies Isaiah has this glimpse of our God so Isaiah 6 1 through 8 He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. And it's as if God was saying, whether it's Isaiah, the prophet, or the people of kingdom of Judah, their focus, perhaps their hearts were set on Uzziah, the king. Would God restore him? Would Uzziah repent? And would God restore the glory that he experienced the first 40 years? And it's almost as if God is saying, don't look at him or any other king. Look towards me. See who I am. And Isaiah saw the glory of God. Ultimately, salvation, strength, and power come from him, come from him, not from an earthly king. And next slide. And for us, in the ear of chaos, we realized that we had lost sight of Jesus, the King of Kings, our eternal King. Because I think during this past year, I know it's true of us, as COVID was spreading, we were not getting enough of media, of news. But the more we heard the news, the more discouraged we were. And then with the unrest, whether it's with the BLM movement, you know, even with the election, It was hard to ascertain where is truth coming from? How can we understand what is happening around us? And does it matter? And it seemed like we, even Christians, we were getting our truth or source of truth from the world and not from the word of God. And as as I was meditating this past year, the Lord was leading me back to Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That time 2,000 years ago, but even now, during this pandemic season, and even this past year, during the time of this 
election which brought so much chaos and confusion. In Daniel 2.21, it says, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. That's our Jesus. He has all authority. He places presidents. He places kings on their thrones. And then he removes them. And so we can trust him. Even during this time of transition, which seems to be tumultuous, even during this time when there's still a lot of unrest because of racial tension, we can trust our Lord Jesus. And furthermore, because he has all authority, in Isaiah 9-7, Scripture says this, of the increase of his government, meaning of the increase of the government of our Lord Jesus Christ and peace, there will be no end He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And I believe what the Lord is saying is, it's not, in the scriptures, there is no guarantee that the American government will last forever. Maybe not even another 10 years. It can crumble any time. But the government of our Lord Jesus Christ will increase to no end. And it's for his kingdom and his government that we labor, that we pray for, that we passionately pursue whatever his will is. We pursue that. Next slide. So even during this pandemic, it's amazing that there were news coming out from Middle East, from some of our friends, Pakistani friends, Christians working there. that there's this particular Middle Eastern Arab country where thousands of immigrant workers, mostly Muslims from Malaysia, from Bangladesh, from India, they're working there. But because of COVID, they were trapped. They could not go back to their home country. And Islam was not providing any comfort, no hope. And they started looking for hope and comfort from Christians, from house churches, underground house churches. So hundreds would be coming secretly to these meetings to find out more about this Jesus. And, you know, the the news was they were coming to Christ, even hundreds, maybe thousands. We don't have the full numbers. But there was such an excitement by these Christian, Pakistani and Indian Christian migrant workers who had the opportunity like never before to share the good news with their co-workers. And this, during pandemic season. And again, it's that reminder that the government of our Lord Jesus Christ will increase to no end. And next slide. I want to share this briefly about racial reconciliation because we're hearing a lot of things on social media. There's a book that we recommend. It's called Pink and Say. Because my wife homeschooled our three kids, she got um, a collection of different books. This is one of the books that made all, our, all of us cry as we read it. And it's a Christ-centered racial reconciliation. And it's a, a friendship between two, two young men, one white, one black, both Union soldiers. And somehow Christ comes into this picture, into this setting. Please read this. Because if there's violence, 
killing or burning in any movement, whether it's BLM, Antifa, Proud Boys, whoever it is, then Jesus is not there. That's not our Jesus. He actually asks us to lay down our lives to the enemies. He never tells us to take the lives of our enemies. That's not our God. And so I would just want to encourage you, if whatever the social media is saying is pushing us towards taking people's lives, there's no Jesus there. That's not the way of our Lord. Next slide. And after Isaiah encounters the glory of God, he makes a confession. He says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I believe any time that we have a proper encounter, a holy encounter with our God, it should always lead to repentance. Because our God is holy, righteous, and I'm not. No matter how old I am, no matter how many times I've been to the mission field, when I get a clear glimpse of Jesus, it leads me to repentance. And it did with Isaiah. And so he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I believe that's symbolic. It's not that he was saying dirty words or profanity, but that he and his people were sinners. Next slide. And I believe the greatest sin of his people and the people of Judah and Israel was idolatry. You know, here you see a picture of Baal and Molech, two of the more common gods that the Jewish people were worshiping and doing the unthinkable, sacrificing their children. And there's a descriptive passage about this in 2 Kings 17. And it says, And they abandoned, the people of Israel abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. And in about 100, I think 150 years, even the tribe of Judah, God sends them away to exile because they were repeating the sins of their brothers in the kingdom of Israel to the north. And this sin of idolatry, replacing God, replacing their trust in God to an idol, to an object, ultimately to demonic spirits. And I believe during this time of coronavirus, God was challenging me and us. Have we lost sight of who we are? And so in this year of coronavirus, next slide, I believe that we realize that we have lost sight of our eternal home. Next slide. And because what the world pursues is this, long life, and even the quality of life. It's no longer just living 
but we want to live well. We want to make sure that there's security and safety for us and our loved ones. And I can understand that. If I don't believe in God, if I believe that this life is all that matters, there's no heaven, no hell, then I want to make sure I have the best life here on earth and as long as possible. Whatever therapy, whatever surgery to replace an organ, I want that because this world is it. And that seems to be the voice that's even coming into the church. We have been conforming in some ways to the pattern of this world. And God is saying, no, you you belong to me. You're to be with me forever. That's why my son, Jesus, came and died for you. Not to make your life here on earth such a pleasant place. But your life in heaven for all eternity is with me. Next slide. So I believe this is what Paul said. Very clearly, even as he was laboring to build up the church, to share the gospel, to disciple new believers. And he wrote this while he was in prison in Rome. And he writes these words. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And then in that same letter, he goes on to remind us that our citizenship is in heaven, not here on earth. And Paul lived with that perspective, that conviction. You know, and somehow his intimacy with Jesus was so strong that he would say these words, you know, I want to die, even today if it's possible to be with Jesus. But because of the call, unfinished work in that city or in that region I'm going to labor at it to make that happen but if I had it my way Jesus is whom whom I want to spend time with I want to be with him and it really challenged me as I was going through these verses do I long for Jesus like that or when I catch COVID which we did by the way uh, my wife and I back in December, and it was not through one of the outreaches. It was at a small group um, with a fellowship of believers, and we caught it from one of the families. And we thank God that our symptoms were mild. Uh, I, just, I was tired for two weeks, slept a lot. Faith lost sense of taste and smell, but it's slowly coming back. But neither of us had to go to hospital. So we're grateful for that. But, you know, even both of us, we tried our best to find healing. You know, we took antibiotics. We even took hydroxychloroquine, which for us, it helped. We took plenty of rest because our natural instinct is survive, live. And yet to read Paul's words, I would rather die and be with Jesus than be here on earth. I would have to say that's distant from me. I don't know, really know what he's saying. And so do I really have that intimacy with Jesus that Paul had? I need to check myself. The next slide, because as we were getting over COVID and just studying again this 
what's been happening in the world and in the U.S. Statistically, on Google, it says 80% of COVID-19 deaths are over age 65. My wife and I, were still under 60, so we have a few more years before we qualify for this age group. And then it says the median age of COVID-19 death is 78, which is same as the life expectancy in the U.S. That's pretty telling. You know, the ones who are passing away, and I know there is grieving that's happening at the loss of each loved family member, but it is about at the end of their life, whether it's through heart attack, organ failure, you know, whatever it is, COVID may have replaced that. But it's not as if because of COVID, people were dying any earlier than they should. Because their time is in God's hands. And the Lord says in Psalm 139, in his word, it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And God has determined the times where we would be born You know, our birth into this world was not random. And if God designed us or willed us, determined the place and the time for us to be born, he definitely knows when we will go home to be with him, whether it's through COVID or not. And in our case, the Lord decided, had already determined we would not go home with COVID. So he healed us. And I think this preoccupation with the fear of catching COVID has restricted even the church from being bold. And I'm, I'm not saying that we should be reckless without any mask, going through the streets, hugging people, feeding them. You know, that's, there's a place for caution. But when they are wanting that hug or prayer because something's happening in their lives with all the stress of being isolated, mental health issues are rising, domestic abuse is going up, suicide rates may be going up. Is God asking us to step into their lives? And like I said before, this COVID is contagious, infectious, but not everyone has it but this thing called sin this virus everyone is infected and if they're dying without knowing Jesus then they're separated from the father for all eternity and finally after this time of consecration Isaiah hears the call of God It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. After that encounter with God and then consecration comes commission. And I pray that as we check our hearts against God's word, do we really believe that we have eternity with Jesus? Do we really believe that we're strangers and aliens here on earth? Do we really believe that Jesus is preparing a home for us? He is our bridegroom. And he said, I'm preparing a mansion and I'm coming back to take you home. 
But sometimes we forget that. And we build our own home where there's no room for our bridegroom. It's only us. And that's not the church that Jesus died for. The church he died for, a group of people whose eternal home is up in heaven, and he's going to come back for us. And we live for that, not for here. And I believe as we go get over these fears or even our attachment to things here on earth, the Lord will open the doors for us. So it's just a reminder again that in this time of uncertain future that God is asking us to recommit ourselves to the Great Commission. And let me just go back to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Jesus includes these times when there are pandemics, when there are wars, persecutions, by the government, by the community, whether you're living in America or in Saudi Arabia, where it's dangerous to share the gospel. He did not put qualifiers and say, except during the season of coronavirus, except during the season of intense persecution, all the other times you can fulfill great commission. But the other, these pandemic times, you're exempt. He never said that. And when he gave these words, he knew that the Roman Empire not only was oppressive at the time, but would increase with Nero and his apostles like Peter and uh, Paul would be beheaded or crucified upside down. He knew that, but he still gave the Great Commission. The next slide. So Apostle Paul knew this very well, and he made this commitment to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth that he knew. And in 2 Timothy 4, he says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And because he believed strongly in this, he went everywhere and anywhere that Jesus sent him. Whether there was persecution waiting for him, imprisonment, torture, he still went because he knew that Jesus would rescue him until it was the time for him to go home. And just recently, we heard that there is this uh, Spanish nun. She is 117 years old. She survived both pandemics. The Spanish flu back in, what, right around World War I, and this one. And she's probably thinking, when is Jesus going to take me home? <laughs> I'm ready to see my, my bridegroom but I'm stuck here. And whatever ministry she's doing, God feels the need. You need to continue. Well, praise God. And I think Paul had that kind of mindset. I can go anywhere. Whatever the disease, whatever the persecution, Jesus will rescue me. And so, next slide. He said these words. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, which is Croatia today, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. 
And supposedly he traveled 10,000 miles on foot to preach the good news. Can you imagine? That's going to L.A. from here, back and forth, twice, two round trip, on foot. I don't know if Nike was around back then. I don't know what he wore, but incredible. And that was his commitment. And so I believe even during this time, would we take, make that effort to reach out to those who are hurting? Uh, next slide. So actually, can we get, go to the last couple slides? Um, next one, next one, and one more. So this young man was someone that I met while I was teaching engineering classes at the university, one of my students. And one day after one of the lessons where I briefly shared my testimony, he came up to me and asked me, can I have a copy of English Bible? And I was excited when I heard him say that. And I didn't have a copy of a Bible with me at the time. I told him I will give it to you next week if I find one. And so I came home, shared the news with my wife, and she was excited. We both were overjoyed, and yet we were also a little bit anxious because one of the other missionaries who, from South Korea who was teaching at the university with me, his student was a KGB agent. And after one year of coming to the Bible study and receiving Bible from this missionary, he turned them over, and that family was kicked out. So Faith and I had to make a decision Is this young man worth the risk? Is he a genuine seeker or is he a KGB agent? And so we fasted and prayed for a week. And then finally we sensed peace from God that he was a genuine seeker. And so we, I prepared the Bible, gave it to him, told him to read one chapter a day. And then after one week, we would discuss the first seven chapters of Matthew He read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in one week. And I knew that his heart was ready. Shared the gospel with him the following week, and he came to Christ. And this young man not only came to Christ, he stepped up to be a pastor. And when we got arrested, when I got arrested, we were kicked out of Uzbekistan. He continued to stay. And right now, he is one of the leading pastors in Uzbekistan, going around shepherding other pastors and I would have lost out on the joy of leading this young man to Christ if I had decided he's not worth the risk I need to protect myself and my family but we took the risk trusting Jesus that he would lead us through this this time and I want to encourage you And I pray that it may not be in the streets. It may be at Walmart, at Costco. It may be in your kid's school function where someone is eager to know about Jesus. And the pandemic is still spiking up or down. Would you be willing to take that risk? And who knows, that person may open the door wide to a community of people trapped in addiction, in gender confusion, in racial tension, 
and Christ is able to bring in his love and his truth into that setting. Let's close in prayer. So Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, you are the Lord of the harvest. And Lord, the harvest field is changing to some degree. The environment is different than what we're used to. It's, it's, um, it's alarming. Lord, at times we struggle with fear. And yet you said the harvest is ripe. And it hasn't changed. And I know that there are about 3 million people, according to the statistics, who died of COVID. And I wonder how many got to hear the gospel on their deathbed. Because the chaplains were not allowed to come in. Or there were no chaplains who would step up. And so, Father, would you remind us again that you are after that lost sheep, that one out of 99, one out of 100 that you're pursuing after. And if you bring them into our lives, when you bring them into our lives, may we be willing to even pull down our mask to speak your words of truth into their lives so that they may find Jesus, their Lord and Savior. And that we would trust that you can deliver us from every evil attack, even the coronavirus, until that moment when you take us home. Then we can see you, Jesus, and celebrate at that banquet that our sister Alice mentioned about, the banqueting table that you have prepared for us, that we want once again to be reminded that that's what's waiting for us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name.